Okay, welcome to the Less Than 3% podcast. And today, we are going to talk about a pretty interesting topic. And so this episode is really going to segue into a bit of a larger topic and actually a series of episodes that I want to talk about. So today's topic is really something that affects every individual person, regardless of his or her field, whether that's medicine, whether that's education, whether that's law, whatever the case really is. This episode is on bias, what implicit bias is, and how we can deal with it. So to really give just a background into what bias is by definition, looking at dictionary.com, they define it as a particular tendency, trend, inclination, feeling, or opinion, especially one that is preconceived or unreasoned. And now what I really want to segue that into is really the topic of implicit bias, which is something that not as many people really may be familiar with. Implicit bias is defined as biases or prejudices that are present but not conscious. And so what makes implicit bias such a particular term is that these are really attitudes or stereotypes that we can have and act upon without even really realizing them. And that definition was broken down by the Perception Institute as they really went on to explain or mistaken about their nature. And so a lot of times when it comes to bias, people often think of it as something that's very noticeable and is very overt, whereas implicit bias is really something that we can express without even recognizing that we're doing it. And the reason implicit bias is such a central topic that even really connects to some of our to some of our past episodes is that it really has a strong influence on the actions of many different people. And so the driving factor that really influences the actions of people in the justice system, law enforcement, medicine, education, and all of these different fields, it's implicit bias. And the prevalence of implicit biases really show that we're capable of doing things that really negatively impact others, whether we even think we can or not. And this really shows a clear reason behind one of the studies that was mentioned in the last episode. And so going back to Denise A. Sabin's article on how we fail black patients in pain, one of the studies that she had brought up that was done by the Proceedings of the National Academies of Science was that 40% of first and second year medical students endorsed the belief that black people's skin is literally thicker than white people's, in addition to a number of false ideas about black people's experience of pain in healthcare. And so what that really shows is that by taking on knowledge of different false stereotypes regarding people of different backgrounds or ethnicities, people can really develop prejudices that influence how they actually treat others. And so when you have medical students who are endorsing these sorts of beliefs, they then develop certain systems of thinking and stereotypes that then influence the way that they treat their patients in the future. To take this discussion a little further, one of the most noticeable areas regarding implicit bias over even just the past two years has really been law enforcement, speaking specifically of police brutality. And so as this has been a conversation that has constantly come up, one conversation that really draws in the topic of implicit bias is police violence and police brutality. And so just to really bring in some context to this, I want to look at a couple statistics that were brought up in an article that was written by Frank Edwards, which dealt with the risk of being killed by police use of force in the United States, which showed a number of factors, including age, race, ethnicity, and sex. And so a couple of the statistics I want to focus in on read that black men are 2.5 times more likely to be killed by police over the life course than are white men. 
and black women are 1.5 times more likely to be killed by police than are white women. And so one of the toughest conversations has really been related to the mistreatment of minorities by law enforcement. And one factor in conversation that has come up with this topic has really been people's denial of being overtly racist. People essentially saying that because they're not showing outright overt racism that there can't really be racism happening. However, when looking into the topic of implicit bias, it's made clear how black individuals can be treated differently from white individuals by law enforcement. And to go a little further into this section of the topic, I want to bring up another article that was written by, I hope I'm not butchering her name, but Kirsten Wire. And so this had to do with statistics regarding policing in specific communities in the United States. And so one part of this article that I want to focus on into is a study that was done in Oakland, California. And so in this study, a social psychologist from Stanford University and her colleagues went and analyzed data from the police department in Oakland, California. And it was found that although black residents make up 28% of the Oakland population, they accounted for 60% of police stops. To go a little further, black men were four times as likely than white men to be searched during a traffic stop, even though officers weren't any more likely to recover contraband during these traffic stops. And so statistics such as these really point back to a larger issue of African Americans being seen as threats, which again is going to point back to the topic of implicit bias to really show how these sorts of disparities and these sorts of issues can come up and statistics like these can be found. And I want to really segue into really a topic and a term that is really important when discussing the topic of implicit bias. Another example of how implicit bias really has an unconscious impact is simply through the way that people speak. And so the term that I want to bring up is known as microaggressions. And so I want to point our focus toward another article which speaks about microaggressions and how exactly they work. And this was written by Andrew Limbong and it was published by the NPR. And so what's detailed in this article is actually an interview that was done with Kevin Nadal, who is a professor of psychology at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And so the way that he defines microaggressions is the everyday, subtle, intentional, and sometimes unintentional interactions or behaviors that can communicate some sort of bias toward historically marginalized groups. And one of the key factors with microaggressions is that they can be both verbal and nonverbal. And so as I want to keep on really bringing in examples of how these microaggressions work, I want to bring in yet another article that was published in CNN Health by Kristen Rogers. And so one of the examples that's given in this article of how a microaggression can work when talking about speech and verbal microaggressions is an example of a white person telling a black person, you're so articulate or you don't sound black. And so the issue with this is that if a white person is to say this, it would usually imply that they didn't expect to hear intelligence from a black person. And so although this may have come off at first as a compliment, it really is offensive to a lot of black people. And so microaggressions can really be delivered as a form of compliment without the person even recognizing the stereotype that's behind it. And another important part of this conversation that I want to segue into is really how implicit bias can be dealt with. The reason I wanted to really define these terms is how we can really get into not only how it applies to some of the disparities that has been spoken about on this podcast, but to also talk about how implicit bias in and of itself can be dealt with, as if implicit bias is dealt with, some of the ripple effects can also be managed. And so what I want to point to is an article that was published by the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, where I felt they really broke down 
some really practical adjustments that can be made in order to deal with implicit bias on both a large scale and a personal basis. And so I think one thing that we have to keep in mind is that when talking about a topic such as implicit bias, I don't want it to just come off as something that's done by just police officers or healthcare workers or by a certain system, but rather we can really have our own implicit biases that we may not even recognize. And so we really have to know how to properly deal with them. And so just to read off a couple adjustments, one of the things that was mentioned was stereotype replacement. And so what this is, is recognizing a response is based on stereotype and consciously adjusting the response. So going back to that example of a white person telling a black person, you're so articulate or you don't sound black. One important adjustment to make in that situation is to recognize a stereotype that's being communicated when making that statement. That in saying that, that if you were to make that statement, you would be unconsciously suggesting that a black person can't be intelligent. And so the way to adjust and the way to deal with that implicit bias is recognizing that that may not necessarily be true. And from there, being able to make an adjustment and consciously <clears throat> and making a conscious decision to change the response that you give. Another practical step that was listed is something that I think can come off very simple, and that is known as perspective taking. That's simply putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And I think one of the key ways to really deal with problems such as implicit bias is simply taking the time to recognize and think about how what we say or a certain stereotype towards a specific person can make that person feel. I think the moment that we really do decide to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, it really does have a clear and direct impact on how we choose to treat and speak about and to a specific person or someone of a specific community. Another strategy that's listed is having a basic understanding of the cultures that your patients come from. This article really focused mainly on the healthcare aspect of all of this. I think one way this even connects to me, considering that me being an aspiring future physician is that I always want to make sure that I take time to recognize some of the factors that can make my patients unique and that can impact the way that I and that can impact the way they communicate with me and relate to me. I think some of the factors to take into account may simply be ethnicity and some of the things that may come with that. Or another example is nationality or first or second language, factors such as those. And so taking that into account can really help in dealing with stereotyping and making sure that we really are treating others the way that they need to be treated. And so the final step that I wanted to read off was not stereotyping your patients, but individuating them. And so that really ties back into really all of the adjustments that I already mentioned that it's really important that we are making sure that we have an objective not to stereotype others, but to make sure that we see them as individuals just as we are and that we're seeing them the way that we would want others to view us. And one thing I want to point to in dealing with microaggressions on a personal basis is to really take time to evaluate stereotypes that you may have of different people. Really evaluating the way you may have viewed different people in your own life or the people that you interact with on a daily basis the wrong way or whether you may have treated them unfairly is really an important factor to pay attention to. One of the key takeaways from the topic that we're discussing in this episode is recognizing that, again, this doesn't just apply to some of the systems that we may see when we look at healthcare, when we look at law enforcement, or when we look at things like these, but rather it plays into our own daily lives. And so we really do play a role when it comes to issues such as these, because we all have the ability to act on our own personal implicit biases and so we really have to pay attention to these sorts of factors really as mentioned in the last episode so there really are some practical steps in addition to what i already mentioned 
that we really can take to make sure that we're really evaluating ourselves and making the necessary changes that we need to make. And so some examples that were listed in the last one are, for instance, therapy and also faith. And so really things of these sorts can help in making sure that we're evaluating ourselves and that we're really seeing what areas that we may not be treating others the way that they should be treated. And I think when we really take these things into account and when we really recognize how we can make certain adjustments to help improve the lives of the people around us, this is really how we're able to deal with large scale issues such as these just step by step. And so to really just wrap this all up, I really want this episode to allow you and whoever's listening to really take time to evaluate what ways we may be viewing others or treating others that they shouldn't be treated and shouldn't be viewed. And so I would really just say, make sure to keep those things in mind. And so with that being said, that concludes this episode, and I hope to see you in the next one.